Hello. Hey, speak to Carlette, please. This is she. This is Joey. Carlette, this is Joey Jagola. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. And that's when it clicked. Oh, crap. <laughs> what, what we've been doing would not be legal in other circles. You go, you go in to get your transmission fixed, and I make, I replace the tires, whether you told me to or not. I, you know, yeah. I do all these extra things that had nothing to do with your key complaint. So that made me get interested in insurance just because I thought, hmm, insurance would be a great revenue stream. When it's all you know, it's hard to figure out if it's actually right or wrong. And I hope you're ready to take this journey with me. It's going to be a little bit of a weird and winding one, but that was my friend Carlette Williams, and she is actually not in the insurance industry, well, at least not fully, completely, just yet. And she is uh, coming out of the medical field, the pharmacy and health and healthcare administration field, and she wants to get into insurance. I can safely say that the first time I've ever met anybody in my career that wants to go from healthcare to insurance. I know most of the time people view us as like the fourth cousin that no one wants to invite to a wedding from the business and sales perspective and that you know somebody in the white collar space of medicine you know rarely wants to come down and, and play in our space but that's exactly what Carlette has been aiming to do for for quite a while now and I was very surprised when she, you know, re originally reached out to me and I really didn't know Carlette. Uh, she just responded randomly to an email, one of the uh, Sunday newsletters. And um, I got to have this conversation with her and learn a lot about her and, and her history with, you know, wanting to get into insurance. And most of her saying, well, geez, Carlette, we're in insurance and we can tell you that maybe you might want to go back to where you came from. That might be a little harsh. But the reason that I want to pull this clip out, and, and I, like I said, bear with me, because it, it's, it's a little bit all over the place. So... I think it's important, though, because, again, I don't talk health insurance tons on this show, but I, again, Carlette, coming from the medical space, I feel like I just have to kind of get into it. And I want this to be applicable to all insurance. And the reason that I want it to be applicable is because um, we always get asked, why does my insurance go up? Why am I paying what I pay? And you hear Carlette saying, well, we were just... We were just doing anything that we could to these people when they came into the hospital. They might have been coming in for, uh, she was talking about, you know, what they would use to do when somebody would be admitted into the hospital. And that's where she said, you know, she came to the realization that it was illegal, but they would be admitting people for, you know, an upper body, above the waist kind of thing, a chest pain, and they'd be doing testing and, and stuff on, you know, below the waist stuff. And... And they're basically just doing it to do it. And really, in some cases, without the permission of the patient, this is obviously common stuff, you know, when you go into a hospital is that, you know, they're just going to do things to do them. And they're, again, they were taught that way. And then she realizes, oh, wait a second. If I was a mechanic fixing your car, you brought it in because you got a bad muffler. I go ahead and, you know, put on a new set of tires, change the oil. And uh, I don't know enough about cars, but fix something in the engine, anything. Let's say you did all that all just when I had a bad muffler that would not be good, right? That would not be acceptable business practice. And this is how the medical community has operated for a while and and still in, in some capacity continues to operate to this day as they just 
want to try and you know get as much money out of you as possible in some capacity because guess what? You're not usually paying for it. Your insurance company is. Uh, we can even look at home and auto more, uh, let's say home, because home is, is kind of going through a, a similar period where premiums are you know increasing, albeit marginally compared to health insurance, but people are freaking out. Why, why am I paying $100 more a year for my home insurance than I did last year? And again, in reality, guess what? Uh, the companies are losing tons of money, right? Bad weather is you know, causing a lot of claims and, and the claims are saying, well, we're not, we're not collecting enough money. Now that's a little more self-inflicted on the insurance company's point, because again, I've said this to some people, it's not popular things to say, but in reality, home insurance is probably underpriced. You don't ever like to tell anybody insurance is underpriced, but I mean, if you think about the amount of money that you're insuring when you insure your home and the, you know, the, the small amount of money that they collect every year, insurance companies could probably charge a little bit more, but they're not. And that's why we're running into problems with, with, uh, you know, prices. And that, that was an interesting just mindset that you hear of somebody that they didn't know any better. They didn't know any different that, hey, this isn't something that we should probably be doing. I don't really, again, have a, have an example that ties directly to insurance, but it's something that it's the industries that are adjacent to ours that kind of cause headaches for us that we might want to get a handle on sometimes. And granted, we're not, maybe not going to fix those industries, but knowing how to properly explain it to our clients is something that I think is a very, very powerful thing that we can at least you know, do for them. For years, that was a standard of practice. It was capturing every billable process imaginable. So people who are small business owners on the outside of a hospital, we call that upselling. Just a wee bit terrifying when, you know, the medical profession wants to upsell you on trying to keep you alive, right? Just a little bit. Just a little terrifying. And I'm not picking on Carlette here because this has a happy ending, right? All of this is to say that this is the experience, this is the path, the journey that she went through in her own profession that led her to considering insurance as a viable alternative. And it's interesting to, to kind of see how people come to this industry. And most of us usually just fall into it trying to do anything else but sell insurance, as I normally say, that I tried to do everything but sell insurance after I graduated college for a couple of years. And then I just, I couldn't do it. I just sold insurance. And that's a lot of people in a lot of family businesses. Maybe we're just convenient failures. I don't know. However, Carlette has, was nowhere near the business, the industry. She hadn't had no idea or interest of it, obviously leading up to it until, you know, she starts going through these things within her own, you know, job, her own career is, well, Hey, wait a second. We're, we're upselling people this medical treatment that they're not asking for. And that's, again, I think a big distinguishing factor between an upsell and just kind of doing something is that usually you have the option to decline the upsell when you're out, uh, you know, when you're under the, under the knife or whatever, or, you know, whatever else have you, if, if they've knocked you out, all of a sudden you wake up and they said they got a checklist of all the stuff that they did. Ah, that's a little, little challenging, right? A little bit of a gray area as far as, well, yeah, I don't know. Hey, okay. Those are the things that have led Carlette down this interesting, interesting path of wanting to be in an industry that most of us probably take for granted in some capacity, again, depending on how you got into it. It's kind of like what my mom always used to tell me. I think it was my mom. She said, you know, the best Catholics were the ones that are converted to being Catholics or chose to be Catholics in their, their own kind of choice. Most of us were just kind of raised into it, right? Kind of the same thing in insurance. And Carlette happens to be a converted insurance person. Nobody raised her in this kind of space. She made her own choice as to why this was appealing to her. 
And I began to read more and more about it. I bought books about it, but nobody, uh, as a pharmacist, that was my full-time job. I actually wanted other members of my family, even my kids, and somebody, hey, let's get an insurance. I'll do it part-time. If you'll do it full-time, I'll pay for you. I actually paid for three members of my family to go to a Kaplan course. If you're listening to this podcast with your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your uncle, your second cousin, you're probably trying to beat each other up as to who can get to the phone first or the internet to find Carlette's number and call her and tell her to please don't do that. Uh, again, I know every family agency is different and it's a love-hate thing and it changes on a day-to-day, usually hour-to-hour basis as to our overall appreciation for being in it with the people that we are in it with. However, it is, again, interesting to hear these things from the outside as to where, you know, they see the opportunities that, you know, again, we might be taking for granted and the things that appeal to them that, you know, are necessarily things that we've always just assumed were. But even more interesting and really, I guess, more depressing than anything is hearing the advice people get when they are looking to jump into this business and how they need to go about making it a success. You know, a lot of other things that they kept saying, you know, buy these leads. We, my husband got licensed, of course. And we kept looking at buying leads, and a lot of it seemed like the leads were old leads. <laughs> you know, it just seemed kind of shady. And the GROW program, I really loved how you introduced thinking out of the box. I like that. Carlette, the check is in the mail. I do appreciate the kind words. And, uh, yes, I will shamelessly just include them in the podcast. I could have edited them out, but no, I mean, I'm going to keep them in because it's been a while since I've had a nice shameless kind of compliment tossed onto us here. But no, seriously though, uh, the idea that, again, that's what somebody has to go through, has to be told that, hey, buy these leads. That's how you get, like that is seriously how Carlette thought she had to get into insurance and start selling insurance is, you know, her husband got licensed and he went through some stuff and learning on how to prospect and, Hey, it's, we're going to buy leads and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and, and it's, and it's this bad information that, you know, might keep a lot of good agents down, keep them out of the business or keep them from staying in the business. And, uh, I guess this is more of a public service announcement than anything to anybody thinking of getting in the business. If you are listening to this podcast, or if you have just gotten into the business of, you know, there isn't one way to do it. There isn't one thing that you have to do. Um, the one thing that you have to do is think differently than you think anybody else is allowing you to, because nobody, first of all, spoiler, nobody is making you think any which way on how to be successful in this business. It is wide open for you to figure out how it's supposed to make sense for you and how you can be a success in it. And that's where, again, you know, Carlette somehow found us, obviously, because we think outside the box. And again, I sometimes like to try and see what it's like if there isn't even a box there, right? Let's just forget that the box exists. Let's kick it down the street and let's, you know, run away from it as fast as we can sometimes. And and it's those sorts of things that is a little discouraging that 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 we have to hear of people, you know, trying to get in the business. And, and even still, people that are in the business are probably dealing with all of this stuff. Buying leads, right? Again, I might have told this more than once on the show. I bought internet leads to start my individual health insurance career. That's 2009, buying internet leads. My phone would go off with an email alert. I got a lead. It was uh, right to the phone to call them and be the sixth or seventh agent in line in the 30-second span. 
and to receive my, you know, hourly or in some cases daily, usually hourly tongue lashing as to why exactly I might want to go pick a good spot and die and not be a human being anymore. That's what happens when you're buying old, you know, resold leads is, you know, again, I, I, I wish I wish this was at least somewhere close to the, the time period in which I, I've been working with these because it's been a while. So I can't remember exactly all the good ones that I've heard. Um, I do want to say that I think I, I called somebody that was dead or, you know, that had been dead for a little bit. Uh, somebody else is saying, you know, that person died a while ago. Um, I, I know that, um, you know, I know that that kind of stuff is, is never fun, right? You just get all sorts of stuff in, in leads. And again, it depends on your lead source. I'm not saying all leads are bad. Um, but the overall moral of this story, and, and again, like I said, we kind of jumped all over the place today, but you know, we, we kind of crossed this weird bridge to where, you know, again, Carlette was working in an industry that was slightly adjacent to insurance. She was kind of, I don't want to say familiar, but people in the healthcare space like to feel like they know a little bit about it because they kind of deal with it on the other end of the spectrum. And, uh, and it always interests her as the possibility of kind of, like she said, you know, the residual income, you know, the, the, re, re, um, the, um, recurring monthly revenue again, right. Those are some great words to put together in a sentence, you know, and, uh, and she was always, again, coming from the healthcare space, more focused in the life and health side, but was looking to get people to do the PNC side and, and again, recruiting family members. And, it's an interesting, interesting journey. I actually, I'm going to do this. I would like to hear your story. As I was very fascinated with Carlettes, feel free to reach out to me, Joey, at growprogram.com. I would love to hear your journey as it related to getting into insurance. If it's a family story, I'm not going to be that impressed, but again, I'm not going to exclude you from emailing me. Um, obviously, the family stories are good and, and warm and fuzzy. Let's just say you better have a good spectacular story of how you tried to do something radically different and one, wind, wound up being a complete and utter failure in the family business of insurance. I'm not projecting any of that version uh, onto myself. I'm not. I promise. I promise you I'm not. But at the end of the day, no matter how you get into it, no matter what the reason is, you need to want understand what are the, the obstacles that are kind of standing in the way from the industries that we are insuring and how we can properly explain them to our clients, fully knowing why they are paying what they're paying, what they're paying more for. And in the end, to really just don't let anybody tell you how it needs to be done and from finding the success that's right for you. Pretty sure the definition of being an old dude is when you can fall asleep playing video games. Yes, falling asleep playing video games. I'm doing my best to try and play Uncharted 4, which has already been out for a long time now, which again leads to my dadness and parentness and old dudeness, even though I'm not that old. At least I think. I mean, there's probably people younger than me listening to this podcast. Maybe I hope. Um, and, uh, and I just, I just want to know what, what is your kind of defining moment when you just said that? Eh, yep. I, sh- I probably earned that badge. I can hang up the, I'm not this person anymore hat and put on that. Uh, this is who I am now hat. Uh, as I've, I've fallen asleep, I think two of the three times I've tried to play the game, just willing myself to say, listen, I'm going to do something fun for at least 30 minutes of my day and enjoy life. And, um, it hasn't gone well. Yep sleeping your video games especially the cutscenes that tell the story I was like, oh, this is terrible joey you're an idiot 
Uh, also, fellow gamers out there, if there's any fellow insurance agent video gamers, Sockkick06, Gamertag, feel free to add me. I want to see. How many are you out there? My guess is there's like one. Like one and a half. That's good for uh, PlayStation and Xbox. I don't play Xbox that much anymore. But uh, Sockkick06, feel free. Also, let me know, what, uh, what do you like to do? What's your one thing that you want to do at the end of the day for 30 minutes? to remember that life is still fun and enjoyable. Let me know, joey at growprogram.com.